If you're a pop culture junkie who loves TV, film, music, comedy, and other really important stuff, then you've come to the right place. Get ready and settle in for Classic Conversations, the best pop culture interviews in the world. That's right, we circled the globe so you don't have to. If you're ready to be the king of the water cooler, then you're ready for Classic Conversations with your host, Jeff Dwoskin. All right, Amy, thank you so much for that amazing introduction. You get the show going each and every week, and this week was no exception. Welcome, everybody, to episode 138 of Classic Conversations. As always, I am your classic host, Jeff Duoskin. Great to be back for another week of classicness and conversations. Coming right at you. Got an amazing guest for you today. Eric Allen Kramer. That's right. Eric Allen Kramer. You loved him as Bob Duncan on Good Luck Charlie. Dave Rogers on the Hughleys. Little John in Mel Brooks classic Men in Tights. And of course, the one role that's near and dear to my heart. The one thing I always think of when I think of Eric Allen Kramer, the original live action Mighty Thor from the Incredible Hulk Returns movie. That's right, in 1988, way before Chris Hemsworth grabbed that hammer, Eric Allen Kramer was the Mighty Thor, alongside Lou Ferrigno and Bill Bixby and the Incredible Hulk. We got a lot of goodness coming up in just a few minutes. So a couple weeks ago, went to PodFest in Orlando, spoke at that podcast conference with my friend Brian Green from the commercial break. That was fun. My wife Robin came with me. She ended up getting COVID and then I ended up getting COVID. So the last few episodes in this one included, my voice is not a hundred percent. It's not a hundy. I don't know. Is that really even, is that proper slang? I don't know. Anyway, so if I see so I know last week I joked my voice hitting a high note and, and just leaving it in. That's why. Doing pretty good. Just guzzling uh, hot water and lemon. I love hot water and lemon, by the way. I don't even know why they invented tea. They must not have realized they could just put lemon in hot water because it is delish. It is delish. So when I was prepping for the episodes of the week I was going to be in Orlando and the week after to get them all kind of in the can, I didn't even realize I've been doing this for two years. A Facebook memory came up and I was like, oh my God, it's been two years. So happy two years to me and the podcast. And of course, happy two years to all of you. I appreciate all my fans that have been with me along the way and those that have joined at any point during the journey and those that will join in the future. So kudos to all of us. Glad you're enjoying the show. And here's to another two, 200 years. Boom. As you sit there preparing for the upcoming amazing interview with Eric Allen Kramer. Make sure right now, grab a pen, make a to-do list, and that to-do list includes making sure you're caught up on Classic Conversations. Last week, Monday, Sue Kalinske was here, talked about her career. She's been on The Tonight Show. She was a producer of The Osbournes. Tons of amazing, great stories. And last Thursday's episode, I shared a collection of interviews that I did on the floor of the Motor City Comic Con with many of the legacy actors from the original Superman movies, from the Christopher Reeve movies. And also in that episode, I included what I'm calling a lost interview with Jeffrey East, young Clark Kent from Superman. So it was a perfect addition to that episode. Tons of great stories, tons of great perspective. Check those out. 
In the meantime, I do want to thank everyone for their support of the sponsors. When you support the sponsors, you're supporting us here at Classic Conversations. And that's how we keep the lights on. Today's interview sponsor, Bob's Bug Be Gone. You got pests? Well, you need Bob's Bugs Be Gone. That's right. Only Bob's Bugs Be Gone specializes in not only insects, acronids, I believe that's code for spiders, rats, possums, small garden snakes, and skunks, but they'll also get rid of those pesky gnome statues that seem to just pop up. So if you got pests and you need them to be gone, you give Bob's Bugs Be Gone a call today. All right. Well, I think it's time that we pivot over to the interview with Eric Allen Kramer. All you good luck, Charlie fans out there. All you Hughley fans out there. If we got some true romance fans out there, you will not be disappointed. There's so many great stories. I can't wait to share. I'm just, I'm done waiting. Here you go. Enjoy. All right. I'm excited to introduce everyone to my next guest, actor, exterminator, Viking warrior. Ladies and gentlemen, Eric. Alan Kramer. Hey. He plays it all, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Eric, I am very excited to speak to you. And it's it's rare that when I interview someone that my kids are equally as excited for me to talk to someone. <laughs> but for a completely different reason. And we'll cover all the reasons. One is, of course, Good Luck Charlie. And I'm enamored with it. Every time we were watching Good Luck Charlie, I'm like, you know, that guy right there, he was the original Thor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A different kind of exterminator. Right, right, right. Yeah, I, my kids were so excited. They're like, Bob Duncan? You're talking to Bob Duncan? (laughs) I was just watching a 20th anniversary Zoom show that you did. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was cool to see Charlie grown up. It's it's Oh, my goodness. I mean, we had, when we first, I mean, we went from swaddling her in season one to having full on scenes with her in in season four. Yeah, so it was, uh, we went from getting what we could get from her, which was always great. Like she was always animated and was always sort of present on set, but it, it was a real kick. I directed a few Good Luck Charlie. So it was a real kick to actually get to a point where you could not only have full on conversations with her, but direct her in, scenes and have her have her sort of do her thing it was really fun it's got to be interesting in, in one way or another with all of them even even bridget and the other they they kind of grow up on the show i mean four years is a it's a long time it's a long time but man that show i mean we shot so much in such a condensed amount of time that the one jason and bridget always felt like they were always sort of grown up Although I I got to treat Jason to his 21st birthday party. (laughs) Well, not actually not a party, but I actually, uh, I got him like a cigar humidifier. (laughs) Like it was just, it was this sort of rite of passage, like into legal adulthood. Because he was always, the kids on that show were amazing. They were always so grown up and so responsible and such. I got, I got so lucky with those kids. They were awesome. The greatest part of uh, growing up on that show actually was Bradley. I mean, Mia certainly grew up the most, but, you know, we watched Bradley go from a preteen to a teenager, which was just 
really fun to watch. I uh, I love that kid. And I, I'm still, actually, me and the boys still hang out on occasion. As your career goes on, you start to collect <laughs> television children and television wives and, and this sort of extended television family. I'm glad I never lutch, uh, lost touch with those two. Yeah, it was funny. The kids would always be like, uh, Dad loves watching the show. And I'm like, I, I realize I've, you get to a certain age where you're like, you have a crush on the mom. <laughs> well, the, the thing is, we were always meant, what I loved about that show was we were always meant to be a family show. We were always meant to be more family ties than we you know, ever were. That's so Raven. The show wasn't uh, aimed at a specific you know, like teenage demographic. It was uh, it was one of the first shows they put on that they wanted the whole family to watch together. So it's so funny when I get, especially parents saying, oh my goodness, you know what? And I loved it too. And I was like, well, yeah, you were supposed to. It was all about family stories and not just not just humor aimed at kids. It was a really well done show for a Disney show. What I mean by that is like I re- went and rewatched a couple episodes just to get them fresh in my head before we talked. And I'm like, right. this, this is a legit funny show. You know, it's not like some of those Disney shows. I feel like like the laugh track maybe pushes the joke a little bit. I was right. like, I really enjoyed Good Luck Charlie. And I, I have to say also the Good Luck Charlie, It's Christmas special uh-huh. is like a, was like a staple in our house. And that's I say that is a big deal because we're Jewish. So <laughs> <laughs> so to have a, a Christmas tradition, that's uh, that was a little outside our norm, but that was like something my kids just could not get enough of. And now it's on Disney Plus. Everything's on Disney Plus. So you're going to are you seeing like a new generation or a new group? Yeah, it's really funny. The generations that you touch, because now I'll go out to restaurants and all the, you know, all the young 20 somethings that are working in the restaurant and serving all grew up with the show. So there's that. And then there's the whole other generation now that's seen it on Disney Plus. So it's really the base now is huge. That's got to be really cool. It's great when it happens with something that you were really proud to be a part of. Like, I, I think that show could have been on any network at any time. And it it absolutely would have worked. We certainly had our share of, I call them banana peel episodes, where things are just Disney crazy. But we but the majority of our shows were all very much family driven, all had plots that I think, you know, everybody, regardless of where they come from, can sort of identify, you know, see that in their own growing up. I always thought that was great. Yeah, that was awesome. I you don't have to do this, but my kids asked me to ask if you would say Bob's Bug Be Gone. Bob's Bugs Be Gone? <laughs> yeah. It's tough to get out on the first take. I'll tell you that. The I'm reading video- it too. Bob's Bugs Be Gone. There we go. I got it. <laughs> what did I say? Because I'm sitting here reading. No, it. No, me. Me, oh, me. Oh, you, 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 you. Okay. How many times I've flubbed that line because it's all alliteration and my, my tongue wounds up winds up getting stuck between my two front teeth. So did you find yourself, do you become a pseudo father while on set and like have to give advice to the kids, uh, acting advice or do you? Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, when they would take it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes and no. I mean, my, I always used to say that I would leave my own family in the morning and then I would go to my family on set. So, and you can't work those kinds of hours and do that many shows without 
without it really sort of becoming another family. We used to, I used to cook lunch for everybody. We always used to hang out and still do. I, I golf with Jason and Bradley. I play poker with Jason now. Like we're always, we're always still in touch, which is, which is really nice. That's really cool. And then I saw, I heard on the 20th anniversary, I think it was uh, number one in the world at one point. Yeah. In our category. In your yeah, category. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, that's we were, yeah. But I mean, we were certainly, I, you know, we were certainly the, the biggest thing Disney had put out to that point, I think in regards to viewership and, and the kind of audience that it attracted. Eric, what got you into acting? Like what kind of set you off on that path? Man, I don't know. It really, I never, going into high school, I always enjoyed drama in school, but I never, it never, I never looked at movies and went, oh, I, you know, I want to be that guy. I was actually going to be, when I went into high school, I was actually going to be a graphic artist. That's where I wanted to go. So when I was loading up on my uh, my options, a lot of it were art classes. And then I wound up taking a, a drama class in my junior year. And the, I met this uh, drama teacher, uh, Bill Chin was his name, who literally changed my life and my direction and just opened my eyes to what acting really was and that there was a place for me in it that I had something that was sort of worth uh, uh, contributing. So you never know where the doors are going to open in your life. But that was, I remember my whole year and how everything changed around. I played a lot of sports. I actually quit the senior basketball team uh, in my graduating year so that I could do, uh, well, not my graduating year, but uh, two years into it so that I could do the school play because I thought that's where I was headed. A lot of big changes in a very short amount of time. On your, I don't remember if this was on your website, maybe it was your Twitter. You call yourself that big guy in that thing you saw. That's pretty much it. There's a group of us that all sort of fall into that category. And we all sort of, we are all constantly getting mistaken for each other. Who do you get mistaken for? Well, uh, back when Coach was running, the tall blonde, the assistant is, why have I suddenly forgotten his name? Bill Fug- uh, Fagerbaki. All right, Bill. Oh, yeah, Bill. So I was constantly, everywhere I went, I constantly got, you're the guy from Coach. No, I'm, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I'm the, I'm the other guy. So I was at, <laughs> I was at an audition one time. And uh, I'm in the room waiting for my turn. So I'm called up next. And the room that we were auditioning in was way down the hallway. I had never met Bill before in my life. So the door opens and Bill comes out, who was just auditioning ahead of me. And he comes out the door and he looks up and I look up and we see each other coming down the hallway. And both at the same time, we point and go, everybody thinks I'm you. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, there's, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's big, uh, it's, it's big character guy syndrome. Uh, I, I actually, I signed a, I, (laughs) I signed an autograph in new Orleans, Brian Bosworth one night (laughs) because this guy kept of buying me and my friends drinks throughout the whole thing. And he was, he was super, super nice guy. And he would come up and uh, he was, he was, he was just great. Super nice guy. He was like, look, I don't want to bug you. Uh, you know, 
I, you know, I, I know who you are, whatever, let me buy you some drinks. And so this sort of went over the course of the night. We chat a little bit and he'd go off and we'd go off. And so at, and so after this entire night of this, I'm getting ready to head back to the hotel. And he goes, listen, if it's okay, if I could just get an autograph. And I went, hey, sure, absolutely. And he handed me the piece of paper and I put the pen tip to the paper and I had just started the E. And he goes, I can't wait to tell everybody that I hung out with Brian Bosworth all night. <laughs> you know, and I just, I didn't have the heart. And I just went, B R I N. I bet how many people out there you think have autographs from famous people that the same situation where they just signed a different name? I don't, it would, you know what I mean? He was such, he was so such a great guy. And I just didn't want, you didn't want to break his heart. Because the, 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 the horrible ending to that story is then he goes, who are you? <laughs> there was another time in that uh, I was at LAX getting ready to pick up a friend of mine. This was back when you could actually go to the gate and meet them. And there was a bunch of there was a bunch of people waiting to fly out. A buddy of mine was flying in from Canada. They were getting to uh, they were getting ready to fly out. And uh, it was a ton of people. And they had just sort of come back from the ski trip. And they were getting ready to head out. And the one person comes over and says, listen, would you mind, could you come and like take a picture with us? And I went, yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. So we go and it's a huge ordeal, like trying to set everybody up. So everybody's in the picture and (laughs) in the back, I'm in the back. By now, you know, a, a bunch of people in the airport are looking and going, who, who, what, what is this? Who's going on? Finally, everybody gets lined up. They're getting ready to take the picture. And the guy who called me over was standing next to me and he leans in and he goes, okay, I just got to make sure you are that guy, right? <laughs> and I thought, okay, there's two ways this can go. <laughs> one, one, I can risk not being the guy and then, you know, having to walk away from all of this. And I just went, oh yeah, yeah, no, I'm the guy. So I have this, uh, I have this vision in my head of everybody Everybody's showing this picture to their friends and going, hey, look, we met Brian Bosworth at LAX. <laughs> uh, that's so funny. So you don't know who they thought you were. <laughs> I, it could have been me, but it just wasn't worth it. The setup to get everybody lined up hadn't been so elaborate. Maybe I would have. Maybe <laughs> I would have risked it. But it just didn't seem like it was worth taking the chance in that moment. Oh, man, that is funny. That is so funny. So flip side of Good Luck Charlie, <laughs> true romance. Man, you, I rewatched that one scene, you kill and be are killed. That is one of the most violent scenes I think of any movie ever. <laughs> oh my God. It was unbelievable. When the shooting starts, they literally pointed all the cameras at 12 o'clock and just slowly started working their way around the room over the course of two weeks. All these poor sons of guns that got shot on day one had to come back and get re-bloodied up and, and <laughs> all the rest of it. But I had, I had so many squibs built into this suit that I was wearing. It just, I literally, I felt like I had a, an old telephone line trunk coming out of my trousers. The whole, the, my suit was so heavy from all the squibs, I just thought, God, don't screw this up don't screw this up because there's so much setup there's so much 
And I'm really nervous because I don't really know what to expect. I mean, I've been squibbed up for single shots before, but nothing like this. Stunt guy sort of walks me out and I, and I just looked at him and I said, look, I said, I, I don't want to mess this up. I said, what's going to happen? And he looks at me and he just, he very calmly just goes, just take your shots. I said, what? He says, just, just take your shots. You'll know what I mean. And so they yell action and the first one goes off and you don't, I mean, it's not like getting punched, but you feel them go. You feel the pressure as they start to go. So as all of these things started to go off, I knew exactly what he meant. It was just like you, at that point, you can't mess it up because you just have, you have no choice but to stand there and and be rattled by all these bullets. So what, what started off as, you know, something I was really nervous about turned out to be like one of the most fun little sort of snippets out of being on a movie set was just getting, was getting blasted like that. Yeah. It is one of the most violent scenes ever, but it is one of the most entertaining violent scenes ever as well. I mean, it's all out. Yeah. I just, I love, yeah. That was written by Quentin Tarantino. That was directed yeah. by Tony Scott, right? That was Tony Scott. Yeah. So that oh, was man. funny. The best part about that was having to go in and overdub all the swear words for TV. Oh, really? Like it was like, how many different ways can you think of using uh, of saying the F word without saying it? <laughs> it was literally every line having to go through and cover up all the swear words for TV. They could even show that on TV. <laughs> oh, they must have because we put a ton of time in trying to get it uh, so they could. How fun was the Hughleys? Hughleys was a blast. I love the Hughleys. Uh, Marietta DePrima, who was uh, who played my wife, was just wonderful. DL was great. That was another one where it was all everything just sort of clicked and and worked, and it was uh, uh, it was a really fun time. Did you work at all with Billy Van Zant? Was he's he was it was it would have been. Yeah. A, I've had yeah. Billy on the show a few times. Yeah, he's fantastic. I, I love that guy. That's really cool. You've made appearances in like so many sitcoms seinfeld cheers growing pains roseanne wings empty nest ellen murphy brown arliss two and a half men just to name some real quick seinfeld you're wearing a mask uh helmet. i was wearing a mask the whole time <laughs> getting pulled on one of those motorcycle racks through uh through griffith park oh that's so funny it was funny because i looked on reddit i was trying to find the scene and, and someone's like that's eric allen kramer and i was like he's so funny and it was <laughs> It was so it it was actually so funny how much I got recognized for that bit, because I guess everybody just recognized the voice. It was I I actually got a ton of notice for that from people realizing that uh, that it was me. Oh, that's so funny. And then Cheers, you had a a great scene with uh, with Norm. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They had. uh, Yeah, that was that was one of those moments where I very much. I, I quickly realized I was somewhere else because that was a, you know, that was a set that I grew up watching when I was going through theater school and, and, and all the rest of it. So to actually step on that set was eye opening. It really, you know, you just, you just try and be a very good guest when you're in somebody else's house, try not to get in the way of that, 
of that machine. But I did get one of the best laughs I ever delivered on a show where I think it was the paint fume line where I, and I can't remember exactly how it went. The line was something along the lines of, you know, we just can't sit around uh, sniffing paint fumes all day because, um, and then I hold it and then I go, huh, forgot what I was going to say. Uh, <laughs> which was funny on its own. And then on shoot night, shoot night, I got to that line and I said it and I held it and I held it forever. And so I got... I got a bit of a giggle on the paint fumes. I got a big laugh on the hold. And then when I said, oh, I uh, forgot what I was going to say. I got this weird laugh from the audience because they thought I went up <laughs> because they thought I'd actually forgotten my line. And then and then I go, oh, well, doesn't matter. Anyway, see you, Norm. And then once they realized that it actually was the line, then I got this I got this huge laugh that came way late once they realized that it was all, uh, that it was all, uh, that I actually meant to do it. So funny. What's it like being a guest on one of these iconic shows when you kind of come in for a short period of time? What is, is it? Do you, do you get to, to meet? Like I, you had a scene with Michael Richards for, you know, on, on the motorcycle. You know, it's sometimes it, it's like, you know, it's like, it's like going to different people's houses. Like each, each, each set is different and sort of has its own life and everybody has their own ways of doing things. I mean, I, I literally, I just try and stay the hell out of everybody's way. I don't come in like I own the place or that they should know who I am or that I'm really just there to service that show and just sort of pay respect to uh, everything that they've built. And most of the shows are completely gracious and friendly and very welcoming. And it's, and it's always a good week, but you always know that you always know you're going to be gone in, in four days <laughs> <laughs> and you're going to be, you're going to be back out looking for work. What was it like working with Mel Brooks being in a Mel Brooks movie, Robin Hood, Men in Tights? Oh my God. It was, uh, it was, great we actually oh my god uh we shot out in the antelope valley we were actually just on the other side of the hill from where vic morrow where they had that accident oh the twilight zone movie yeah so so we were out that way and it was just we actually we called it camp brooks because we would go out on set we would ride horses we're hanging around you know all these castle sets we're shooting arrows we're telling jokes best part of that whole experience was uh, just sort of sitting at base camp and just listening to Mel tell stories, like just fantastic stories of, of just a Hollywood that we will never see again. And everybody came down to visit on that show from Sid Caesar. Kevin Costner even came down to, <laughs> to, to visit, uh, even with the jokes that we had in it. It was just, it was really just one of the greatest shoots that uh, that I'd ever been a part of. It's a spoof of Robin Hood, but specifically they called it a spoof of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. But Mel Brooks had actually done that concept as a TV show right. way back when. When things were rotten, yeah. Yeah, not new ground for him, but it was uh, definitely a good opportunity to kind of bring it. So that, that's funny. So Kevin Costner was there. How, what was it like working with um, Carrie Elways? 
he was great. Again, that was one of those, that was one of those shows where everything just seemed to work, you know, and Dave Chappelle, who, you know, we would go and watch him do, I mean, he's, Chappelle just blows me away. We'd go see him do stand up at night and all he would be doing is just sort of reworking the day in his act. I mean, he was just, it was just, it was, uh, it was amazing watching him work. The dance scene, the choreographed dancing. Um, yeah. I know we joked about earlier about being the big guy. You move well. They like to make big guys dance. But you, you're a really good physical comedian. It looks like it comes really, like it looks like you move way more naturally you'd expect. <laughs> I think I move well enough that, yeah. I can, that I can get away with it. It was just a, a ton of fun. We choreographed that in like half a day and then shot it. It was really just... Yeah, it was just, it was so much fun. There was always fun stuff to do on that set. How much of the script literally translated 100% or was it always, I, I would feel like it would be either very specifically, you know, this, do it as written or with people, you know, just adapting. I always, on that set, I did everything as written. And if I had other thoughts, I always presented them and always got them cleared. I wasn't going to, it was a Mel Brooks movie. I wasn't, I certainly didn't think I was funnier than anything he was trying to put on film at that point. So was he changing it though? You know, sometimes when you see things play out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, we had, uh, yeah, I mean, it wasn't, you know, everything wasn't, you know, everything wasn't exactly on the page, but it was one of those situations where, you know, you just sort of let Mel lead. If he let you play, then you, you took that opportunity. How would you describe him as a director? What I love about him is that he knows exactly what he wants. And he, uh, like I say, he's got, he knows, he hears and he sees everything he does in his head. Like he just, he has a very clear idea of what he wants to do. And at the same time comes to set to, to play. I loved it. I loved working for him. You're hilarious in American Wedding also. <laughs> another dance scene. Another dance scene. A, a, another was, dance scene, a dance off with Stifler. That was so much fun doing that. The woman who choreographed it had actually choreographed me before on the Hughleys, going back to the Hughleys. Uh, we had done some musical numbers for this sort of a Jack and the Beanstalk thing that we had done. Again, it was just that the dance was like all input was welcome and accepted. And it just sort of grew into uh, it just sort of grew into what it was. And then the scene you had with Fred Willard, you're wearing like the Seinfeld puffy shirt. And right. are those called ass chaps? Is that what they <laughs> they're they're called ass chaps, which if you ever go for one of those fittings. <laughs> I remember that uh, they had to get the okay for those. So one of my finest Hollywood moments I remember was being in a room at the far end, just sort of leaning on a table with my backside, <laughs> with my backside to a row of producers <laughs> and, and a costumer opening and closing the, the chaps, sort of going more, <laughs> less, <laughs> more, less. Okay, right there. Perfect. Yeah, I, I rewatched that scene last night. It was a perfect amount of ass. So you're, I think, you're, <laughs> I think you're, you're much to be proud of. I happen to be talking to uh, 
Lloyd Schwartz recently, uh, Sherwood Schwartz's son. I know you were in a, like a, a surviving Gilligan's Island documentary with Don yeah. Wells. You were uh, Alan Hale Jr., which, by the way, they're trying to he's still trying to make a Gilligan's Island movie. So you could still you could make a play for Skipper. <laughs> I think maybe back in back in the day, I could have uh, I could have done that. I, I again, that's another shoot that I just loved. And, and the closest I will ever be to being a rock star was on that shoot. We had the one scene from Rescue from Gilligan's Island where we're all down, I think we were down in Marina Del Rey and it was, you know, we get, it's the scene where we all get pulled in by the, uh, by the Coast Guard there. And for the extras, they had members of the Gilligan's Island fan club flew out from all around the country to be, to be like a part of that, of that scene. I remember they were all down on the dock and we were just sort of getting out of makeup and stuff. They asked me to ask me and a couple of others to come down. And I was like, uh, okay, but we're not, I mean, when they, let's get Don Wells and everybody down there. I mean, we're not, I'm not Alan Hale. I'm not, I said, no, 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 it doesn't matter. It's like, come on down. And so we went down and it was just, it was, the, it was the warmest, most welcoming reception I had gotten from, uh, from anybody. Like it was just, it was incredible the impact that that show had. Oh yeah, I was a big Gilligan's Island fan. Loved Gilligan's Island. The end of that movie actually made me cry when we first saw it because I didn't realize that they were tagging it with all the home movies I had heard doing the during the shoot that Don had taken these movies and they were going to try and incorporate them into the film. So we went and we saw the we went and we saw the uh, the premiere. Uh, when those home movies came on at the end, I actually I started crying. I couldn't help myself. It was just so it was just so incredible. After having sort of played these people and talking about them and learning about them and talking with Don and hearing about all the stories and and you know Bob Denver and and everything else, it you felt sort of really attached to what that movie was trying to do. To see those home movies, especially with Alan Hale, who had passed away and you know, there were only three of them left at that point. It was, it really, I, yeah, I got, I got, I got very wet in the eye <laughs> over that, watching that. Is someone cutting onions? Stop cutting yeah. onions. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So one of your very first roles, not your very first, but like one of your very first early on, number three on the IMDb is Thor and the Incredible Hulk Returns, making you the first live action Thor. Back before CGI and abs, by the way. Back before it wasn't standard issue to be completely ripped for a role. You were pretty buff for it. I, like, I, was, I was fine, but by today's standards, it, I mean. Well, I, allow me to read this comment from Twitter, <laughs> to, from a post that you posted on your Twitter, you talking about like I was the original MCU. It was a picture of you, I think in a towel, no shirt, drinking a beer. And the comment was, I think I started puberty the moment I saw you in that towel. You were magnificent. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't get better than that, right? I don't get those kind of comments. <laughs> the, um, so, <laughs> so it's really funny. It's interesting now because like, I was just talking to Nicholas Hammond. He was 1977 Spider-Man. Right. And, you know, there was a big article where he was like, oh, it would have been great to be in the new Spider-Man movie, you know, as they brought in all the old Spider-Man. And, 
you know, so now there's a, there's that possibility, right? They could bring in Lou and they could bring in you. Maybe, I, who knows where they go in some team. Lou, maybe, but I... I, I you were the first. Were you supposed to be in the first Thor movie and have a um, cameo? I, no, I, 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 they, everybody, I think the only people who didn't know that were my agents. <laughs> <laughs> but it was actually, it was on my IMDb for like the longest time, but nobody had ever... Nobody had ever like contacted me for doing that. So what was it like? So the whole, this is the return. This is like six years after the show goes off the air as a regular series. They're now bringing back movies with Bill Bixby. And the original idea was to introduce new Marvel characters that they would ultimately spin off. Yeah, ultimately try and spin off. And we had, when we did that, I think we, I think we landed right in the writer's strike, which went on forever back then. By the time we came out of that, there was sort of a regime change at the network. And so we just, any traction that we had, we lost. That movie was actually the first thing I ever did when I got to L.A. It was actually the gig that kept me in Los Angeles. Were you a big fan of the Incredible Hulk TV yeah, show? Yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was great. Lou, God, Lou, when he did that, that, he was as big as he'd ever been, he said. He was about 200 and whatever he was, 270, 280 pounds, I think. Massive. And <laughs> really, he was, we, we did it. We were doing a photo shoot, I know. And he was, I was drinking Gatorade, which he was like, what are you drinking that stuff for? It's uh, blah, 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 salt, blah, blah, blah. I remember when we first met, he looked at me and when we were doing the shoot, he says, so do you, uh, do you work out? <laughs> way in this way that that implied that obviously I didn't look like I worked out so that that little comment got me back in the gym like right away <laughs> that's uh funny oh I don't want to not mention that you do do a little country dancing in this movie in this tv movie as well <laughs> oh yeah a little bit and uh, I'll tell you I've never drank so much near beer in my entire life than I did during that shoot in your in that same tweet from earlier, it said you said I think I still hold the record for the most duels consumed during a movie shoot. Yeah, yeah, there was there was a lot, especially during that bar scene. Holy cow! I was glad that I was wearing that top because I was uh, <laughs> several pounds heavier walking out than I was walking in. <laughs> this version of Thor is a little different than the current version of Thor. This one was more of a kind of a, a Viking yeah. lost soul. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So how, how much had they gone, since this was considered a backdoor pilot, yeah. had they done anything like beyond this one to this one movie to start to prep that? Like, were you like excited about it? No, I mean, I think it was just, I think it was always, the idea was the TV movie was always the pilot and then decisions would be made off that. And then they had, I know I did a, a teaser to uh, show the network execs, you know, give them some ideas where stories and stuff could go and and uh, and that sort of thing. But it just never got any, it just never got any legs. So you guys were Thor Ragnarok, Ragnarok before that movie, the Hulk Thor team up. You were right. not only the first Thor, you guys were the first Hulk Thor team up. This is, yes, this is true. This is true. <laughs> Oh man! So, but it's so it's likely then if it wasn't for the writers' strike, there's probably a good chance. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I you know, I would. It was a huge rating success. I think it would have been. I think it would have been fun, but I was the guy doing it. So yeah, 
Was it a fun character to play? It looked like you were having a blast. Yeah, no, it was it was a blast, and I think it's one of those. I, I, it's you know, it's one of those characters that I think you know would really develop into. I think we would see a lot more of the of the humor and that sort of thing, like out of the bar scene, much more of that interaction. Yeah, I mean, I think absolutely it would have been fun. Yeah, it's 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 interesting to say the the funny parts of it were some of the most interesting things, and even the current Thor. That character got much better once they discovered. Oh my God. Like that, like Thor Ragnarok was fantastic. Just fantastic. Like what a great, what a great movie. And sort of just the right amount of humor. You know what I mean? Right. Without without sending it sort of spinning off into another direction. Like everything was, everything was still very you know, all those uh, all those characters were still really solid. Just once they let Chris Hemsworth, who's he's, he's so damn charming anyway. Like it's just he he really is Thor. Like that that character, the way that the way that he's portrayed him is uh, is really quite wonderful. Will you always be Thor to me? Like, <laughs> I, uh... <laughs> so what was it like working with Bill Bixby? Bill Bixby was exactly who you hoped he would be. Really just one of the just one of the warmest, most caring souls I've ever met. Just absolutely a wonderful human being. I saw a picture with you and Stan Lee. Did you get to speak with him or just meet him or Yeah, a little bit. I mean, uh, you know, I was a little tongue tied because of just you know, I I'd grown up with Marvel. So uh so yeah, it was, you know, you get in like a little conversation, but uh, you know, most of the time, you know, you're just standing there after he leaves going, holy crap, that was Stan Lee. And then what was it like being a Marvel fan, fan of the show, fighting the Hulk and then going, you know, then teaming up with him, of course. That must have been a hoot. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it. Look, you're oh my God, you're playing comic book heroes. It's an absolute blast walking around in armor, throwing hammers and beating up bad guys and telling jokes and drinking near beer. It's an absolute it's 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 way too much fun. So when people bump into you, who know who actually you are, <laughs> <laughs> what do you hear the most of Bob Duncan? It Thor. depends on it depends on sort of what's you can always tell what's rerunning by what you get stopped for. Uh, a lot of the times, it's still uh, it's still Good Luck Charlie. There's been this renewed sort of Thor thing that's come back around some stuff on the Hughleys that has sort of gained momentum online. Yeah. And then men in tights, I think still plays. I think you can still find it playing somewhere almost any day on, uh, on cable somewhere. So it's just sort of how people sort of stumble across you. And then when you're, you know, when you're this big and goofy looking anyway, it's kind of hard not to, <laughs> kind of hard not to get recognized <laughs> for something. For anyone who wants to watch Incredible Hulk Returns, it's on Tubi. That's where I found it. Oh, there you go. I rewatched it. I had to rewatch it. <laughs> totally Hulk. It's totally great. Oh, so this is funny. So like a lot of times when I'm doing research, you know, you find things. And it's just so JoeBlow.com has a drinking game for the Incredible Hulk Returns. So ah. you, can, you can watch the Incredible Hulk. It's uh, you take a shot every time David Banner transforms into the Hulk. Someone yells, Odin! <laughs> Someone says the word angry. Donald Blake holds the hammer. The Hulk is called a troll. That was so funny that you, got, you kept calling him a troll. And then double shot every time the sad music. 
plays. I don't know how anybody if that if those are the rules, I don't know how anybody <laughs> makes it through that whole movie. But maybe that's the you point. die. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how your last man standing. If they, if those are the rules, I think. I know. Uh, Can you give me an Odin? Odin. <laughs> and then the other funny thing that I stumbled upon, which I'd never stumbled upon, is there's a Cinemorg wiki. It basically outlines every death you've had. True romance. <laughs> <laughs> I repeat, Eric Allen Kramer is very alive, but these are his cinematic. Deaths, according to Cinemark Wiki. There's a wiki for true romance. We talked about that one. Right. In Murder, she wrote, you yep. died by a shot in the chest with a crossbow. Well, on a ski slope, nonetheless, yes. <laughs> and then they list Surviving Gilligan's Island, but that's off screen, it mentions. And then a video game death, Days Gone as Iron Mike. Yeah. Mortally shot off screen by Jason Spizak. You die from wounds while talking to Sam Witwer. I have no idea what that means, but there it is. <laughs> oh, actually, the one that they left out was Lois and Clark. Uh, I get killed in that one, too. My uh, <laughs> my girlfriend at the time. So I, I shoot it, whatever it airs. My my girlfriend at the time had uh, her uh, her niece and nephew watch the show because, uh, because I was on it. So I, it's a two-parter. I die in the end of the second part. Soon after it aired, I get this phone call from her. And the first thing she leads with is, why didn't you tell me you get killed in this thing? <laughs> She's like, my niece and nephew are like beside themselves right now. They think you're dead. Oh, man. That is funny. So I had to get on the phone and assure them that I was still very much alive and that it's just Hollywood and, you know, filming. Well, I hope they didn't see True Romance. That- oh, <laughs> fortunately, I think they were spared that. Yeah. <laughs> well, Eric, thank you so much for hanging out with me. This was so much fun. Oh, this was fun. Thank you for having me. Where can people keep up with you on the social medias? Oh, Lord. I think I'm just on Twitter and uh, Instagram. I'm not really active online, but those are the two. Uh, and it's Eric Allen Kramer on uh, both at Erica. And I'm checked on both. So, you know, it's me. Evidently, there are a lot of people pretending to be me out there. So <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why anybody would want to try and be me. But I guess that's what's happening. Bob Duncan cosplay is very big. It's very big. (laughs) (laughs) Very cool. Well, thank you so much. It was so much fun. All right. Thank you so much. All right. Oh, there's my voice. I warned you. All right. I believe it in. Ah, how amazing was Eric Allen Kramer, ladies and gentlemen. So fun. Great stories. Yes. From Mel Brooks, Men in Tights. Little bonus surviving Gilligan's Island in there. A lot of true romance. If you didn't know about squibs, Google it and understand what that is now. That's just a lot of blood. And of course, for all you Thor fans out there, I hope you enjoyed that Odin bellow from Eric. So fun. All right. Well, with the interview over, it can only mean one thing. That's right. It's time for another trending hashtag from the family of hashtags at hashtag roundup. Follow hashtag Roundup on Twitter at hashtag Roundup. Download the free, always free, never cost a penny app. Also called hashtag Roundup from the Google Play Store or iTunes App Store. 
Tweet along with us, and one day one of your tweets may show up on a future episode of Classic Conversations. Fame and fortune await you. Today's hashtag, of course inspired by the interview in some way, is hashtag insect pickup lines. Of course, in honor of Bob Duncan's Bob's Bug Be Gone Insect Removal Service from Good Luck Charlie. Hashtag insect pickup lines was brought to us by Tag Assassin, a weekly game on hashtag roundup, the ultimate mashup game of insects and mating pickup lines. I know. Who knew those would even ever go together? But here we are. Let's thank Twitter for all the creativity it inspires with these hashtag insect pickup lines. My web or yours? Want to come back to my place and molt? Want to fly out of here? Oh, these are some amazing, perhaps cheesy. It's going to cross the gamut. Hashtag insect pickup lines. You're like a bright light because I'm so darn attracted to you. Is that metamorphosis in your pants, or are you just happy to see me? Who knew that insects and pickup lines would mash together so well? You're sweeter than honey. Anyone ever tell you you look a lot like Jeff Goldblum? I get that a lot. I once spent time in Keanu Reeves' belly button, so I'm kind of famous. Ooh, hard to resist an insect that's been there. You smell like poop, and it's intoxicating. These are some amazing hashtag insect pickup lines. You ready for more? I bet you are. Up for some fun? Let's go watch a woman jump out of the shower and run naked through a screen door. (laughs) Ha ha ha. Insert insect laugh. Fly here often? If I said you had a beautiful exoskeleton, would you hold it against me? I think I'm going to start using some of these. How about a one life stand? (laughs) And our final (laughs) hashtag insect pickup lines tweet. Oh, beehive. (laughs) what okay all right well hashtag insect pickup lines all retweeted at jeff jawaskin show on twitter go show them some love you think you can compete tweet your own hashtag insect pickup lines tag at jeff jawaskin show i'll show you some twitter love oh yes i will all right well with the hashtag game over and the interview over it can only mean one thing that's right episode 138 has come to an end can't believe it i want to thank my very special guest eric allen kramer and of course i want to thank all of you for coming back week after week it means the world to me and i'll see you next time thanks so much for listening to this episode of classic conversations If you like what you heard, don't be shy and give us a follow on your favorite podcast app. Also, why not go ahead and tell all your friends about the show? You strike us as the kind of person that people listen to. Thanks in advance for spreading the word, and we'll catch you next time on Classic Conversations.